And welcome to the Table of Perspective, where we take a deeper look into how the internal narrative of an individual determines their response to life itself and all it entails. Today I'll be doing a second part of Shadow of the Almighty by Elizabeth Elliot, the life and testament of Jim Elliot. We'll be going into our first song, so right after that we will get into the thick of it. Enjoy. that I had done a section of Shadow of the Almighty, I went into a little bit of what the book was about, how it was narrated, and some of the themes that had come up in the way that the book had been written. 
But now I will be going straight to the part where he kind of builds up to the point of getting killed by the orcas. As the book had begun with, right in the beginning actually, in the preface, it speaks about how he had died as a martyr along with five other men. And just to bring it up, who Elizabeth Elliot and Jim Elliot was. So Philip James Elliot was an American Christian missionary and one of the five people killed during Operation Orca, an attempt to evangelize the Horani people of Ecuador. And the person that had written the book was Elizabeth Elliot, who was his wife. Um, Elizabeth Elliot was a Christian author and speaker. Her first husband, Jim Elliot, was killed in 1956 while attempting to make missionary contact with the Orca people of eastern Ecuador. She later spent two years as a missionary to the tribe members who had killed her husband. And for me, that was quite interesting because... Not only did she, I guess in a sense, continue the legacy or the dream or vision that God had for Jim Elliot, but she herself had thrown herself into the thick of continuing that testimony and pursuing the purpose of having to see people saved whom really would reject God completely. So in chapter 13, it kind of builds up a little bit on him going into missionary work. So in chapter 13, it says, Impelled by these voices. And page 128 goes as follows. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. Jim Elliot's April prayer for guidance concerning attendance at Summer Institute of Linguistics was answered in the affirmative, and June 2nd, 1950, found him in Wheaton again. That was the college that he had actually graduated from. So en route to Oklahoma, he had a further step taught to him in something else about guidance, which he recorded in his diary. Impressed with Ephesians 5, understanding what the will of the Lord is, and Romans 12, proving what is the will of God, every moment I may be conscious and rejoice in the knowledge of God's will. Obedience to every command puts me on the track and keeps me there. Decisions, of course, must be made, but as in railroad, so in life, a block signal, a crisis, is lighted only where there is a special need. I may not always be in sight of a go light, but sticking to the tracks will take me there, where the next one is. Understanding the will of God is believing in Him, and that He will, in all situations where I have obeyed, make that way His own way, effectual for eternity. I love that he had put the wording in such a way that effectual for eternity, everything that he had done, indeed needed to be effectual for eternity. At the University of Oklahoma, Jim, along with several hundred other prospective or returned missionaries, spent 10 weeks learning how to study unwritten languages, how to write them down and how to analyze them. Phonetics, the study of sound, he found not difficult, with his native ability to mimic other accents and dialects. His analytical mind tackled with zest the problems of morphology, the study of the structure of words, and syntax, the structure of sentences. The course also gave opportunity for each student to practice in a simulated field situation. Informants from various language groups were brought into the university and the students worked with them individually, collecting and organizing language data just as they would do in an area where language is not yet in writing. So this kind of speaks to the beginning of how he started preparing for leaving for missionary work in Ecuador to minister to the orcas. And the last page that I'd actually gotten to read was when he was around age 24 in page 172. And it speaks here about how dreams are tawdry 
And he said that God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger. There was a lot of fear in this process, or rather uncertainty that he had struggled with. And when they had eventually gotten onto the ship, starting their journey basically to Ecuador, he had narrated quite a lot how he and his friends that he had started working with went back and forth in terms of was this actually what they were meant to be doing. So it says here on March 17, living with shorts these days, trying to be of some help around, as well as being sizing up to the work and keeping Spanish before me. Most of the time it amounts to plenty of little things, washing dishes, helping with the kids, playing with the harmonica in the open air meeting, helping drive the truck. Yesterday we had a good meeting in the room of the plaza. Lots of interesting men. Then March 18 to 22 says, Spent these days in San Miguel de los Colorados with the two English girls, Doreen Clifford and Barbara Edward. First real time in the forest and first contacts with Indians. The road is almost impossible with all manner of mud holes. We went on horseback arriving in four hours. In the afternoon, the girls and Don Gustavo took me to the house of two albinos. Found the mouth harp of good use in making friends, accompanying Doreen on her auto harp discussed location of a school for the Indians. So there was multiple things that they had been planning at that time to make sure that not only had they left the people with the gospel, but they'd actually seen them better off being educated and equipped in not only being able to improve the place that they had been living in, but actually to change the very outcome of the generation that they had ministered to. And again, he had mentioned quite a lot about thinking about his then supposed uh, or other in-process girlfriend that was Betty whom actually ended up writing the book Elizabeth Elliot once they hadn't been married and he had mentioned some things about thinking about her in that process so page 174 says consolidated in my thinking about Betty reading of Davidson against Uriah the Hittite I got to thinking over Uriah's attitude David obviously thinking he could make Uriah think himself the father of Bathsheba's child brought him home from the war made him drunk and all forced him to his wife's bed. But Uriah stayed with the king's servants and his reason for doing so is as follows. The ark and Israel and Judah abide in booths and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open field. Shall I then go into my house and eat and drink and lie with my wife as though livest and thou my soul diest? I will do no such a thing. It was not time to return to his house, even though he had the right to do so. And the encouragement. It was the time for battle and Uriah was a warrior. There could be no mixing of home goodness and the business of life. So it came to me. Marriage is not for me now. It is simply not the time. I do not say, and I never did say, it is not the thing for me. With tribes unreached, with which I now believe are reachable only by unattached men. I will not do this thing. And that's where he was referring to his marriage with Betty. And, you know, as we know, as the book follows, he did eventually marry her. But it was very encouraging to read through his letters and see the process of his decision making as he referred firstly to the scripture and actually how he applied the very scripture that inspired him in the first place to continue to be faithful in it. And so we're actually going to go into our second song and then we'll close off with the part where he just about gets killed by the orcas. I've seen it before, afraid of what's in store, but this time 
Shadow of the Almighty, we're completing this part or, or this observation of the book, and we've made it to the part where he's now around age 28, and the chapter is called Mission Accomplished. And it says as follows One of the last of many Kitcher hymns that he wrote was one describing what happens when a man dies, using a simile from Ecclesiastes 11, verses 3, which was simple and understandable to the Indian. And it says, If a man dies, he falls like a tree. Wherever he falls, there he lies. If he is not a believer, he goes to the fire lake. But on the other hand, a believer, if death overtakes him, will not fall, rather will rise. That very moment to God's house. This has become one of the favorites in Shandia, and several have spoken of its peculiar significance for them now. But the enemy of souls is not easily persuaded to relinquish his hold in any territory. Seeing that his authority in the Orca region was going to be challenged, he soon launched an attack on the challengers. Jim was beset with temptations such as had never before assailed him. And that master weapon, discouragement, which was to my knowledge held no power over him before his arrival in Ecuador, met him at every turn. A gloom seemed to settle over his spirit in December, and it seemed that battles were being fought which I could not share. During this time he wrote a little song to the tune of Balm in Galid, lovely plaintive words which lose their poignancy in translation. And it goes as follows. Sometimes I say to myself, I am a believer for nothing. But in the hour when I say I'm quitting, Jesus says to me again, Believe me, little son, please follow me to my father's house. I wish to lead you, little son, to a beautiful country. When the beach was discovered on which Nate felt sure a landing would be possible, the plans of going down to the Kurure River by the canoe were discarded. 
and also the necessity of a woman's going. I knew that Jim would be leaving without me, and we began to discuss the possibilities of his not returning. If God wants it that way, darling, he said, I am ready to die for the salvation of the orcas. Just before Christmas, the Flemings, who had recently moved to Puyapungu, held a fiesta for the Indians there, inviting Jim and Ed to come down to help in the Bible teaching. Jim wrote of this on December 22nd. There were about a hundred Indians there up by the Puyo River. Ten or so of our schoolboys and a couple of their sisters went from there on foot. There was excellent attention after we took the gin away from them the first night, and there was no more drunkenness either. Pete gave the drink back to the owner on Monday morning. The older men gave very good attention, better than I have ever seen among Indians, and I can only hope that God will give them help to understand the responsibility to choose Christ and make an open stand for him. And the book concludes in several pages further. In 245, it says that we're going down now, pistols, gifts, novelties in our pockets, prayer in our hearts. All for now, your lover, Jim. This was the last thing that Jim had actually written to Elizabeth. He had yet four days to live. All that we know of those four days is told elsewhere. Suffice it to say that on Friday, the thrill of Jim's lifetime was given. He took an orca by the hand. At last, the twain met. Five American men, three naked savages. Two days later, on Sunday, January 8, 1956, the men for whom Jim Elliot had prayed for six years killed him and his four companions. And that concludes Mission Accomplished, which was written by Elizabeth Elliot as a compilation of the life of Jim Elliot. And just to conclude, this was a book that is thoroughly inspiring and you as a believer, as a new believer, as someone who has never heard about God before, picking up this book will open your eyes to the endurance of life and the faithfulness of God. And I thoroughly and with as many adjectives as I can possibly encourage you with to pick up this book and give it a read and be mindful in the process, even taking notes if need be. So that's all from me. I hope that you have an enjoyable day and cheers. Jesus children, Jesus loves you, Jesus children, hello children, Jesus loves you of America. Mm. Are you hearing what he's saying? Are you feeling what you're praying? Are you healing pain and what you say inside? In better death, your story bad. You will come back. 
Is that okay? Share your thoughts with us. Send in your questions or simply tell us what you love most about Active FM. On the WhatsApp line 084 628 6060. Radio has never been better. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and YouTube.